escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Welcome to State of Play, two days after the debacle in Asenor. The debacle, if it's your only an MPP supporter, sympathizer, executive, or in this case, the president himself, mm. you know. So I'm, I'm asking a simple question. Is there really hope for the MPP for 2024 after this? Well, I mean, I think that it's too early to write the NPP off. Um, it's obvious that times are hard. It's obvious that uh, things are not going well in the country. And so let me say this. If what I've seen North has shown you is that if elections were held today, the NPP will lose. Okay? If elections were held today, the NPP would lose. Uh, also because of everything they did, even that one, you know, people can play, but it's just an indication that times are hard today. If elections were held today, the NPP would lose. But would things remain the same? If they do, they will lose. When you say things, what are you referring to? Are you referring to the economy? Are yeah, the economy, because if, I mean, Evans, there's hardship in the country. Let nobody deceive you. So if there's hardship in the country, and look, watch things this way. Even though, and I still say that um, James Jeshiko is not about 100 votes gain, uh, the NPP lost, uh, lost some 2,000 votes. So it gives you a signal, okay? Now, if you look at it from that point of view and compare that to the Kumeu elections, mm -hmm. the by-elections, where there also the NDC had about 1,000 votes gain, almost. Yeah. Then you can actually say that, well, it looks like people are gearing towards the NDC because of the current circumstances that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Is that enough to conclude and say that the NDC is going to win the election? I've been seeing the disco lights, the disco lights in the, <laughs> in the studio. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you know, but, but talking, about, talking about disco light, we flipped before the, before the Asen, Asen North by election, yeah. right? From one of conviction that the MPP was going to win this to one of, wow, NDC is going to win this, which, which was, I mean, on the day of the elections and closing into the counting. So after asking ourselves, they actually did it, and they did it with a significant margin of victory. For me, I was looking at the margin. The margin is quite huge. Atukwe Singh did fantastically well, kept his, his core base, increased the percentage. MPP lost significantly in terms of the numbers that it lost more than two 2000 in, in, in Asen. And you were making the point that the elections were held today just based on Asen North. Well, what if I throw in a bit of a, a, bit of a monkey wrench in that? Kumewu, eh, sorry, Asen North, Samiago, it's not Ghana. No, is it's it, not Ghana. Is it representative? No, as, you see, this is the point. So when I say that if elections were held today, MP may lose this election, could lose the election. If elections were held today, it would favor the NDC more than the NPP. They yes. definitely have the momentum. They have the momentum going forward. But again, and I'm also saying that, look, times are hard today. So uh, the main thing when it comes to elections also is looking at your situation. Of course, you'll have to contextualize it and say, what am I going to get from this party? Now, a lot of factors would play in uh, 2024. Who even gets to lead the NPP? And what would be the processes leading to that candidate's victory? Yeah. Okay? 
So the processes leading to that candidate's victory could actually shape the NPP's own electoral fortunes. So if, for instance, whoever wins, wins convincingly, and there is no challenge, or there is no feeling that I was robbed, then you would have a party that would gather around one candidate and say, let's go into this election. Now, mind you, that person, yes, is going to be campaigning on President Akufado's record. But it also depends on how that person is going to position himself compared to John Mahama. Yeah. We have John Mahama, who's governed uh, between 2012 July to 2017 January. We have somebody from the NPP, and depending on who wins and what he comes on board with and even what he has done, okay? So that in itself would shape election 2024. I think that, and I, I've always insisted that even when at the time I was uh, expecting the NPP to win, I still said this was not going to be a referendum on the performance of the government. Be and, or this was not going to be a referendum on how to expect things in 2024. Because it will be too early. We have yeah. 18 months to and go. That, and that's a long time in politics. A long time a long in politics. Time in politics. A lot of things can change. But the NDC has the momentum going forward. And if they tried anything that worked for them in Asin North, they may want to try it but, again. But, here, but here's the... The path of Arsenal that I also think is quite distinct from the rest of the country. I think the Jachikwesin factor was huge. I mean, and I'm, I agree with you, it's not a referendum. Because if Jachikwesin wasn't in the equation, they will be looking purely at Shewasitinimunatuabapa scenario, right? But because you have Jachikwesin and all his legal trouble, I think he asked a significant factor to the question of why the NDC won with the margin they did and why the MPP lost with the significantly reduced margins they did. And a lot of the analysis have centered around, well, it is, it, this is, NDC has momentum, yes, but is this momentum based on a factor that realistically will still be prevalent in December 2024? My argument is that not so much because of Asin North, because of Jigdatsukwesi. If you going into the going into elections, what was the biggest selling proposition for the MPP and for the NDC? Jigdatsukwesi. Yes, you're right. Bo both both parties mm -hmm. had Jigdatsukwesi as their unique selling propositions. The NDC was pitching as as we analyze this, they had pitched him as a victim of injustice. Yeah. Right. As somebody who the legal system, our judiciary has been has been uh, conspired to to hurt and to, to to victimize, the MPP was doing the opposite again. Him, for somebody who justice will catch up on, and will, his freedom may be curtailed, and therefore, even if he wins, he will go to jail and he won't represent you. And so, why are you yeah. gonna the fear factor, right? That was the that was the biggest campaign message. In fact, the economy. The economy, the current macroeconomic circumstances that affect the ordinary individual, did not, I didn't hear that as much in the campaigning in Asin North. Everything almost was around the, the decreasing factor going into it. And that factor will not be there in 2024. Yeah. Because, of course, this is a, a peculiar case. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I'm still looking forward to... Post the results in Nassim North, because, by the way, the reason why this for me is important, post the results in Nassim North, interrogating the predominant or dominant factors 
that accounted for the NDC's victory. So let, me, so, so, so let me tell you something. Is it still north predominantly? Okay. Is it is it equation predominantly? Mm-hmm. Or is it the economic circumstances of people? But, you see, so, but, but this is one thing. When it comes to parliamentary elections, the reason we vote for, we vote individuals, and the reason we've actually seen skirt and blouse in parliamentary elections is that some, a lot of it depends, one, on the candidate, and two, on the party's political strategy. Yeah. Now, in this case, I think the NDC, even though the whole elections, you know, surrounded Jachikwesen, the NDC got the strategy around him well. Yeah. They got it spot on. They got it right. And that's how it worked for them. Look, and I think I heard Mahama in some of his rounds talking about the fact that the times are hard and they should vote, you know, for uh, Jachikwesen to send a signal to the government that they're not doing the right things mm-hmm. and that, you know, the current situation is bad. What was he referring to? Or some of the alleged victimization or some of the economics? Both. Okay. And he actually t- tells them that if they bring you money, take it. Because that's your money they have taken. And they're not bringing it to develop your area. They're just coming here because of this one, take it. But this is the point. The NDC's framing of the Jashikwesing whole thing. And in a, I mean, to a large extent also, the NDC realized the NPP was playing a certain kind of game. And they played it better than them. So the NPP was playing the game that you know, vote for somebody who's not going to, who's not likely to, who's not going to go to jail. I mean, they even who's not going to go to jail. Okay, vote for somebody who's going to have time. This man is facing, and I do not know who told the NPP that as part of their strategy, they should actually use uh, the guy's criminal prosecution against him. Because Evans, even us seated here, even us seated here, when you come singing that kind of song to me, it gets to a point, it gets irritating. I'll ask you why, why. It gets to that point where you ask yourself, why are you after this man? And also, people like the underdog. Yes. When you have the state against an individual, right? Yeah. The state against an individual. An individual who has been in battle since 2020, right after the elections. Chances are, people may tend to take the side of that individual. If it is a state, yeah. And there's a perception of the government using the state machinery to victimize him. Yeah. That framing is always there. People like the underdog. And, and so that's why I'm just buttressing your point. So when, if that is your message, that then becomes a message that is likely to fail because all the other person needs to do is to sell himself effectively as a victim, right? Yeah. This small guy, one person who has the entire state machinery supported by the government after him to vote. That's a very powerful and you see, underdog story. Yeah, and and see, that sort of story sells yeah, and you see, and in an election. I mean, look, when, when neutrals are watching football, you mean we like football. Yeah. When neutrals are watching football, when Man City is playing some Sarantic in the Premier League, who, who do we support? Who support Sarantic? I mean, you go, go, go for the underdog. underdog. You, want to see them. you see, and this is the point for me. So when you run that kind of a campaign, and the NDC got a spot on. But you see, they just did not end it there. They actually campaigned. Look, the NDC really campaigned. And I think that today, one of the things, the, I mean, and the MPP is engaged in the stock taking, one of the things they would realize is that while they were campaigning, doing uh, you know, a main rally, the NDC's John Mahama was still going around the villages talking to them. They started with a radio rally. Then they started going around. So if you do a main rally, what have you done? You bring all your big wigs to one place. 
right? All of them. That's just, I mean, that's that old way of thinking that everything is done. So we're just coming to crown it up with, uh, you know, a rally. I'm sure going into election 2024, uh, parties would even learn that regional rallies are not necessary. Yeah. Go down there, do the campaign, make sure that you've touched the people, and then you can win the election. So one, the MPP got its message wrong. The NDC capitalizes on that. The NDC had its uh, messaging right. And so once they got it right, and then they started telling the people, take the money, but don't vote for them. Take the money. It is your money. You see, in the past, and you heard Mahama make that point that, oh, they've said that, uh, take the money, swear, and then uh, before you vote. And you should take the money, they still shouldn't vote because uh, this is their money, and God will not uh, you know, kill anybody who's done it. You know, he, he makes all of those points. That begins to sink in. Because ordinarily, when people take your money, they're going to vote for you. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean in elections... The conversations have been that, you know, uh, wait, spend a bit of money, and then you're able to win. I mean, that's the kind of elections we run. I, I, have, a, I have a difficult question for you. Yeah. So if the MPP's message was wrong, what should the message have been? Sell your candidate. Sell your candidate. Especially when you had, you, you had really gone above and beyond yeah. to get him when he wasn't originally part of the plan to contest because he was coming from... Um, Asim Biriku, the stronghold of yeah. that within the MPP. I, I buy the argument. So, so market him a bit more exactly. on his own strength so, so, because of all the work he's so, done in the so constitution already. The, 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 the question I asked today is what at all did Chasopuko say he was going to do for the people of uh, Asim North? What, 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 what was he going to do for the people of Asim North? That what? He brings about better representation? Okay. I mean, maybe. Uh, because we were in Accra, I mean, initially we had planned to go to Asin North. We couldn't get to Asin North. Maybe because we were in Accra, we never heard him. But everybody we sent onto the grounds, Evans, didn't hear from Charles Opoku. Even the campaign, I was looking for sounds uh, from Charles Opoku. We didn't hear from him. So the NPP's campaign consistently, from what, we, from what I heard in Accra here, was on vote for somebody who is, who is not having legal problems. Vote for somebody who doesn't wake up today and is going to court today, is going to court tomorrow. And you see, initially, I mean, we thought that um, the NDC's strategy to bring Jachi uh, Kwe again may not have been a good strategy. Yeah, I thought it was a risky strategy. But the evidence has shown it was the best strategy because then it enabled them to actually campaign and say, this is the man you voted for. They used the powers of the state to get him out. Show them. Another thing that I learned also, yeah. I went speaking to Munzaka Mubarak. Apparently, in 2020, when he lost the High Court case. 2021 or so, I think 2021. Or... No, no, 2020. No, you know, after the election in 2020. Oh, 2021. Yeah, no, 2021. Yeah. That's when the 7th January, they went to court. You're right, you're right. right. The, the new year. Right. When they lost that case, the party held a, a strategy meeting back then and decided and took a decision and said, what if this matter, because they were informed and guided by the Adamusakande matter. No. What if this matter is, is pursued by the state to, in, the, in a criminal trial? What will happen? He said they took the decision then that if he loses his seat, they'll put him up again. Yeah. If he loses the criminal case, which is still on now, he's been in court today, and, and they were confident that he, if the by-election comes, they'll put him up and they'll come that he'll win. And the question came up in the meeting. But what if he wins the by-election and he's jailed? And then they said, well, if that happens, 
We will fight for him to remain, to hold on to the seat whilst we appeal the case. And then the lawyers started throwing, okay, how can we do this? And it started Dan Abodaki. Dan Abodaki, of course, was also convicted, but also held on to his seat until he was, uh, I think, was pardoned. He was pardoned, yeah. So the NDC had also talked this through. So, and and it, it came to, when actually this played out, would you stand by your decision? I think the party was unanimous. In fact, if you go back, it was James Atukwesi who wasn't in the mood to fight. After the, the Supreme Court vendor said his name should be expired, he issued a statement and said, in essence, look, I am tired. I'm, look, I've done my best. I leave it to the conscience. Remember that statement yeah. I issued? He was the one who wasn't. I remember that evening talking to the party. The party already that evening, the evening of that judgment, was saying that we want him to go. And the man himself was putting the party. But the man had this statement to say, and then the, the party was like, well, it, he's our candidate. They somehow convinced him and, and understood him then. If you've been through what he's been through, there's a part of you that just wants to give up. But somehow the party stuck to the original plan that he had and convinced him to stand. And if you watch his body language, he's been very calm about it. And the party, of course, has run with the message of victimization, you know? which, which is one. And I wanted to also say something, one, one last thing. The MPP also tried quite hard to improve the socioeconomic circumstances of the people of Arsenal. They tried. Possibly try harder than they've done in a lot of places as far as by-elections concerned. Because of that long-term strategy they have since 2020, 2021, when the issue happened in court. And the oil investment they put in, including the roads and AstroTef and everything. Well, they tried, they tried. But the people rejected it. And, and said, well, we take your money. And I, 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 I heard you play the sound today on the morning yeah. show. We'll take your money, Charles Poku's money, but we won't vote for him. And that was a big message that they were sending to the party. You see, and, and, and that was actually the message that the NPP, NDC actually, the NDC, was able to get to the people and say, take the money, but don't vote for them. And this is the other point. So I know, for instance, that uh, there, were, I mean, uh, there were some NDC executives that I spoke with you know, um, had gone for a funeral. Some of them had shown at that funeral. And that was on the 3rd of June. Immediately after the funeral, they said, I'm going to Asin North. And one actually said, look, we must fight this injustice. So I'm going to Asin North to go and do everything possible. I don't have his permission to put his name out. So yeah, yeah. I'm not putting his name out. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to Asin North to do everything humanly possible to ensure that we win, as in the NDC wins yeah. that election. And he went there. Okay, he went there, started, you know, uh, their job, I mean, their campaigning, and they went to the, I mean, the, uh, I mean, the most rural parts of the constituency to campaign. They went through streams to go and campaign. Now, you could see a party that had a point to prove. And I'm saying, I mean, post the elections, I've taken my time, I've lent it, I mean, I've spoken to those who were on the ground, I've spoken to some of the uh, parties, and I realized one thing, and even with the um, NPP, just before I got in here, I realized that there were even NPP elements who were campaigning against Charles Poku. Why? Oh, yes. Well, why would you do that? What was, what because, you, you see, in, in politics, sometimes it works. If you, if I were in the constituency, and I expected to be the one to be contested, and you were brought from nowhere to come and contest. That's not our campaign for him. Oh, yes, that's not Drew that I'm talking about. It's a different person. <laughs> and you come in there 
and all of a sudden come and stand. If you win, the next time there'll be no primaries in Asimno as part of the NPP's primaries. You understand? Yeah. So, I mean, even for them, that's really the right thing. And for, for, for those people, well, the best thing is to make sure that this man doesn't win. So he goes back. Because if he doesn't win, he's never going to come back. But that's just by the way. The truth is, the NDC ran a better campaign. The NPP played into the NDC's game. So once the NDC was singing the Injustice song, they should not have gone back, they should not have gone to that same song making comments that don't vote for somebody who is likely to go to jail. Mm -hmm. What they should have done actually is that this is a man whom you've known, who has helped you, and so giving his new position, if you vote for him as member of parliament, he gets more connections, he gets a common fund that is accessible to him, and he could actually even do more for you. My, my final point, and for me that's the biggest takeaway from this, it is what I call the incumbent killer. It is, it, is the, it is the preeminent sign of an incumbent death. And it played out in Asin North. I learned this lesson in 2016 when I was traveling across the country with ballot box. In this country, NDC and MPP, you have your, they have your core base in elections. And every election, they improve that base. But that base has, the core base never changes. The real determinant factors have always been the so-called floating voter. We use that a lot. If you take them away, that core base, they're always there. You tap into that. If you bring, if you bring the closer you are to, to 100% in terms of bringing that core base to the table, to the, to the poll, the higher your chances of winning. Yeah. The first sign of defeat is the party, NDP and NDC, your inability to bring your core base to the party. Because of your core base, if you can deliver them, forget. Because the following way, they will do what they will do. They, they, will, they, will, they will just go around and, and make a decision who is best for them. But for your core base, you can't do without. When John Muhammad lost 2016, he lost that core base. That's why that margin was that significant. When Akufado in 2020 won, but nearly lost parliament, that core base, a lot of it didn't come, but he still managed to get a bit, more, close, more than, close to 100, I mean, more than 50% um, to, the, to the table. And that's why it was so, so close, from a million all the way to 300,000, I think, the difference. 500,000. They're about, right? So that call base, 500,000 didn't come. And that's why it was that close eventually. I said no proves the story, this narrative. NDC and Jesus took they brought their call base. From two, they carried them from 2020 yeah. to, 20, to 2020, 2023. Yeah. Carried them. Almost the same number. Yeah. Almost the same number. 17,100, 17,200. 200. Almost same the same. They carried them. That call base came. MPP failed to carry that call base. In fact, that call base sat home and didn't go to the polls. We can, we can now reasonably infer, actually, that maybe the NPP got a lot of floating voters in 2020. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Well, there. Maybe. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. And they didn't get it this you know, time around. So my point because is... Those may have even been angry with the NPP. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? My point is, if you project as a norm, to 2024, the biggest worry for any MPP guy to, tonight, and I've been analyzing the, the elections, is if this repeats in 2024, done deal. Look, if they are unable to bring, and if history has shown already that in the second years is already difficult, breaking the eight is already difficult. But if you're not able to bring that core base to the party 
on December 7, 2024, forget. Because MP, NDC has shown that the base is governed. Oh, yes. You see, the NDC has shown and, and that the base is governed. And let me tell you one thing. In, and for me, that's the biggest, that's the biggest place and people should be focused in, on. In a second term of any government, where you have the opposition party rallying around one person, and I say this thing, look, I've heard NPP members actually make the point that the way they were hungry in 2016, the NDC is hungrier in 2023 and will be hungrier in 2024. If there's anything to go by, yeah. it means that we're in for an election. We're in for a contest. This would not be like, you know, in 2020, where the conversation was more about who was going to win parliament. Yeah. Because in 2020, by the time you're getting close to the elections, it looked like a but there were issues with parliament. And this is why I see even the NPP's own internal elections could either make or make them. And it's the reason their delay in that, uh, you know, internal election will do them more harm then good. Mm. If they have any lessons to learn, they should learn lessons from 2007. We call it a day. And I, want to read, I want to read a bit more of your messages before we wrap up quickly. Colin Stetter says, politics has become so expensive that it takes, it takes a lot of money. Um, it takes a lot of money even to be defeated, of course. You would have lost a lot. Tete uh, uh, replied, Hanabi uh, says, Evans was not happy. NDC winning that seat. I mean, why should I be happy? Why should I be sad? I mean, I don't. I have no horse in the race. I mean, yeah. I'm just looking at what has happened. Um, Peter Francis says, says, of course, replies and he says, "Oh, how?" And he says, "The reason why I like Winston is that when the result came, he accepted that he made a wrong prediction on Tuesday. Yeah, somebody finally, <laughs> finally has applauded you, honestly. Um, okay, that's what he says. Uh, you didn't watch him on Tuesday. Well, okay, so." And someone was replying to the comments about me not liking it. He says, you didn't watch him on Tuesday. I'm sure he didn't. Um, Evans, it's not true, of course. I mean, so that's a few of your messages on our, on our page there uh, for almost the 300 of you who were watching us. That's yeah. it. See you next week. Cheers.